Good morning. It's December 12th, a bright, normal, wintry morning in New York City, and this is your Indignity Morning Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Skoka, taking a look at the day and the news. On the doorstep this morning was the 60,000th issue of the New York Times. Congratulations to the paper on the nice round odometer reading. The usually skippable, the story behind the story column on page A2, has an entertaining history of how the front page issue counter was wrong for 101 years, going all the way back to when there was a hyphen in New York in the banner, apparently because someone in 1898 mistook a 4 for a 9 and bumped the counter from 14,499 to 15,000. Elsewhere in the paper, down at the bottom of page A9, a report from the UN Climate Summit notes that one quarter of the world's freshwater fish species are at risk of extinction. The assessment of the extinction risk, the Times reports, found that the biggest threat to freshwater fish was pollution, affecting 57% of the imperiled species in the group. Dams and water extraction came in second, menacing 45% of threatened freshwater fish. Overfishing, invasive species, and disease also take a toll. On land, the big leaf mahogany tree was elevated from the vulnerable category to the endangered category. But the saiga antelope moved from critically endangered to near-threatened, and the scimitar-horned oryx was promoted from extinct in the wild to merely endangered. On the front of the paper, the lead story is that even as the Israeli military continues to pound on Gaza, Israeli officials suggested they might escalate their conflict with Hezbollah in Lebanon. Increasing Hezbollah strikes on northern Israel, the Times writes, demand of Israel to remove such a threat, Benny Gantz, a member of the war cabinet and former defense minister, told the American Secretary of State, Anthony J. Blinken, in a phone call, according to a statement by Mr. Gantz's office. Next to that warning of an escalating regional war, the second lead story is, is anti-Zionism anti-Semitism by definition? The question roils the national discourse. And our guide to the national discourse on highly loaded questions of identity today is Jonathan Weissman, once again, the reporter best known for getting himself in trouble by tweeting that John Lewis didn't count as a real summoner because he was black. The mostly paint-by-numbers treatment fails to mention in a brief roundup of opportunistic Republicans who are denouncing anti-Semitism despite their own white nationalist enthusiasms, the role of Representative Elise Stefanik, a promoter of the Great Replacement Theory, who was the star performer in last week's House hearings, accusing higher educational institutions of anti-Semitism. Weissman does manage to slide in a side note in his usual analytic tradition. Tibetans pressing for freedom from the Chinese are considered unserious or even repugnant in Beijing, just as Native American activists demanding to reclaim parts of the United States might be to the owners of that land. But are they bigoted? Are Native American activists unserious or repugnant? A confident assertion from an analyst of the common man's sentiment. Anyway, the jump on that story is part of a two-page spread dedicated to the discourse and to how the discourse is playing out in higher education, including a five-column survey of how it was that donors forced out Penn's president, much more space than the ravaging of the world's freshwater fish population got. Further down, page one, Portland, Oregon, confronting the spectacle of more and more homeless people using drugs and dying of overdoses in the street, is considering rolling back some of its lenient drug policies, which is one way of looking at the problem. Next to that is a story, Soaring Rents Are Burdening Lower Incomes, which opens by describing a full-time employee of the state of South Carolina, sharing a queen bed with her three children in her mother's living room. With $41,000 a year in earnings and child support, the Times writes, she is, by government definition, not poor, just homeless. And below that, the Times extends its ongoing investigative reporting on the traumatic effects of blast shock exposure among members in the military, to ask whether the mass murderer of Lewiston, Maine, might have been able to trace his mental problems 
to his long sessions of work as a grenade instructor. It seems plausible enough as the paper lays it out, but it's a little weird to have done the story when, as it describes it, his brain tissue has been sent out to Boston University to be checked for chronic traumatic encephalopathy, but the results aren't in yet. Why build a circumstantial case without just nailing down the pathology when you can? It's not as if it's particularly time-sensitive, so why leave the reader wondering? That is the news. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to Indignity to keep us going. And if all goes well, we will talk again tomorrow.